This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. Oh, all right then. So uh, after our last mission, you said we had a new job? Uh, yep, that's right. Um, as the two of you are settling into your new base, there is a message from Niren. All right, Niren. Cool. I like him. It's been way too long since we've gotten to see him in the game. I love me some Niren. They always get us the best leads. What's the message say? Well, they have a new job for you, and their new client is on their way over to your place now. Uh, and that is when you hear a knock on the pod door. Oh, and I open it. In walks Creolac. Hey, gang, I got a great job for you. Someone kidnapped the Prince of Shabari 9. What? Krelak again? Son of a bitch. Wait, wait what? What? What happened Krelak again? We haven't promised not to kill your NPCs. I put a bolt in his head right now. But but it's Krelak. Like, you guys have worked with him before. Yeah, and we get bad information from that bastard every time. And we got to deal with his obnoxious jokes. Oh, but but I thought his jokes were like part of his charm, right? Like you know, like that's what made him like funny no and cool. Charm, Phil. He's annoying, untrustworthy, and obnoxious. Right now, any job involving Krelak is a job we want nothing to do with. But but. All right, but we but, should take the hook. But maybe Niren's got another contact. Yeah, and I think we should rescue anybody called the Prince of Shabari Nine. Yeah. And with that. Welcome to the 440th episode of the District of Mark podcast. On tonight's show, we explore what makes good and bad recurring characters along the way. We're going to take your comments, suggestions, and examples live from the chat room for life on Twitch before jumping into the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And I am Old Man Logan. You, you like the knocking during the... Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, that worked yeah, well. Yeah, actual, sa- actual sound effects and shit. Like, there was an update possible. to the, to the uh, Stream Deck uh, uh, software. And now they have like a Stream Deck store with tons of, of royalty-free sound effects and music Uh-oh. and all this other stuff. So I pulled a few things to, to use for later. Do you have a slide whistle? Uh, no, not yet. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's one in there. but We're going to need either a slide whistle or we're going to need the um, Price is oh. Right. Yeah. I want the Wilhelm scream. That's what I want. I want the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> I'm sure there's a Wilhelm scream yeah. somewhere. Did Jerry's chair sink tonight? Like, or is no, he is he okay? Is he okay in your? See, I no, saved I'm, that, but you shouldn't have done anything until Bob told you if you were okay in the no, Zoom or no, not. No, you're, you're, you're good. I can see us there. Yeah, I'm I, I, I'm sitting a little differently, though, though yeah. I am looking at chairs. Um, I like the chair that you recommended. Lily recommended the same chair. So, oh uh, well, let me tell you, I've had that chair for a year, and uh, I love that chair. There you go. In fact, I don't want to go back to the office unless I get one of those chairs. <laughs> All right. So on that, we'll segue into our wonderful favorite uh, current topic du jour, the temperature check, where we make sure how everybody's feeling because, you know, we want to make sure that everybody's uh, feeling good for the show and uh, mentally healthy and all that stuff. So, Phil, how you feeling? <laughs> um. I am, uh, I don't know, mentally I'm, I don't know, mentally I'm okay. We'll talk about it a little bit more in the one thing. Um, but uh, like, I don't know, I, I I had a kind of anxious weekend. Um, 
that went better than I thought it would. Uh, so I'm a little more mentally um, relaxed uh, than I have been uh, physically. Uh, I hurt everywhere. And we'll talk about that um, as well. When we get to the one thing, like there's just not a part of me that isn't sore right now. Like yeah. a, harsh reminder of what 49 and um being a large man um the intersection of these two things um is doing uh, on a good note my um my apple watch has never been more proud of me <laughs> in terms of how much um how much movement and activity i've had in the last in the last month it's it like on a like every two days it like gives me another badge it's like your streak continues and i'm like Shut up. You're not getting so, out of the park, Phil. Oh, man. I'm just sore and and I'm not taking anything for it because um, I don't want to take something and then push myself past yeah. a point and hurt myself. Yeah. So I've just been like listening to my body. Like when it's sore, I stop what I'm doing. I rest. I lay down, whatever. And then I get back up and I get back to work kind of thing. Um, and so far that has, um, so far that has panned out that has, um, uh, I'm like, while I'm sore, I am not injured in any way whatsoever. So what would you have me do, Alfred? Endure. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like that for a bit longer. Anyway, Jerry, how about you? Pretty good. Um, with, I've, uh, the changing of, Travel restrictions here in New York State over the last couple of months, combined with the fact that we have somebody retire from our company, means that I'm on the road a bit more. So it's been a little bit uh, more chaotic. Um, we went two weeks with uh, down two employees, and now we're back up to we have a new office employee who's working very well. And but I've been on the road a lot. It's been a lot more driving, which means I get more podcast time. I get to listen to stuff again. Um, and uh, that's been really nice, but it's been a little exhausting. Longer days, longer driving, that sort of thing. Staying overnight in a few places. Um, and uh, the interview process is always interesting. So uh, I'm doing okay, but uh, I'm, I'm getting frustrated by, like, last week we had an interview session set up. And uh, we had a bunch of appointments, and we drove two hours, and nobody was there. Oh. So we, we just left and came home early, so... Uh, so let's see what happens. Um, we, we've got some, we've got some, some contingency plans we've already planned for, but, um, so that's been a little frustrating, but aside from that, it's just been good, long, uh, good, long work days that we're getting things accomplished, which is what's important. Um, and the new employee sees you working out well, which is always nice. That's so nice. That's what I like. Yeah. I like that. All right. So that's it for me. That would leave me. Um, yes. I am, um, I'm a little sore. Um, arthritis is acting up. It's, it, it is what it is. Uh, it's not heinous. Annoying. Um, mentally, um, feeling pretty good. Um, I am, I am, I feel like I'm, um, way more mellow about all this moving stuff than I may be deep on the inside. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, there was a few maybe moments. Just re- maybe just ready for it. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that, that really got me was how fast everything moved, which created a little bit of chaos in my life. And But I think overall, I, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with it. So, and, and I'm excited, you know, excited for the next phase of, of, uh, of the, you know, next season of Bob is going to be interesting, you know. <laughs> I like where the showrunners are going with this. So. 
<laughs> yeah. All right. So that being said, we'll roll that right on into my one thing. We have formally, unofficially, but formally put in a bid on the condo that I've been looking at um, so that we can get it inspected, which is tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow afternoon. I got to roll over there and uh, and uh, check out the uh, tail end of the inspection and find out if there's anything wrong. And if there's nothing heinous uh, wrong with the uh, with the place, we're going to take another shot at knocking, uh, see if we can get the, the seller to knock the price down a little bit. But if they won't, I can live with the price. Um, I'd rather not, but I can. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then we'll go from there. So by uh, dangerously close to Taco Bell, my friend. Uh, you know what? That is not going to be a problem. And I'll segue for a tiny little bit on Taco Bell. Taco Bell sucks. Oh, okay. They revamped their entire menu. They stripped it of like 60% of all the stuff that used to be on it. And everything I used to want to get there is gone. Well, gone. Then, then you are saved. So I'm like, nope, I don't need Taco Bell anymore. So, Although I'm pretty sure you're in the delivery range of insomnia cookie, so yeah, I mean, you know, who, who doesn't be warned? You can get cookie cookies anymore. at two in the morning. I let's put it. I hope I'll be in the delivery range of insomnia cookie in a in a. In a <laughs> um, so yeah, sure so you, you know, that's uh, that's that's that thing. Um, Jerry, what's your one thing? Uh, we played another session of Low States this week, which is the. Uh, the RPG of um, basically simulating what we do in Shadows. This was a GM Glenn Siler, friend of the show. Um, this time, our house full of vampires, ghost witches, and our reluctant homeowner had to deal with the HOA in the neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, hijinks ensued. This is a game where where there's a plot in certain scenes that come up that you roll for. And then every time somebody fails a roll, it adds a complication that... Um, Tightens the the storyline or or, or 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 joke going on, so that you know if the um, if if there's a if the lady across the street has been spying on the house and somebody has a bad complication, now she's got pictures of you know somebody floating in the backyard or something on that line, and <laughs> it's not talking about. So so everything cycles itself up as the as the thing goes to a, to its eventual conclusion, which in our case involved. Um, one of the vampires um, murdering the head of the HOA and burying her in the backyard, <laughs> and and uh, also somebody else doing away with a, um, a an annoying private eye. And so we've already picked our next next episode is going to be we get a new housemate, um, <laughs> which which is going to be fun um, that none of us like apparently. So that's going to be part of the fun. <laughs> Basically, we're getting we're going to be getting an annoying reoccurring in PC. Oh my god! So, You're going to get like a Van Helsing. That'll be hilarious, right? Like uh, just... either either a Van Helsing or most likely, um, we think it's gonna be somebody's um like one of the two vampire one of the three vampires um uh like like offspring. Either either somebody we turned into a vampire a long time ago, or somebody's actual offspring who's now coming looking to become a vampire, uh kind of like from Howard Chicken's Black Kiss storyline, but as a comedy. Um, so it's, it's, the game plays quick and well, and, um, does a good job of just giving you cues that you can use to make comedy. And I like that because it doesn't write the comedy for you. It just gives you, here's the situation, wacky hijinks ensue. Um, and it helps that we have John O'Brien playing the normal, who is the homeowner that we're all stuck in the house with. And well, he's stuck in the house with us and he really doesn't want any of us there. We make his life 
miserable, but we are all friends or of his wife or relatives of his wife, or in Glenn's case, um, Jen's character killed his character and he's a ghost in the house haunting the house because she murdered him there in the first place. <laughs> and so he can't get rid of any of us and we're stuck in this HOA situation. So anyway, that's the game. We're having a good time with it. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next game in, in two weeks. So that'll be the that, That's low stakes. Bill, what's your one thing? Sure. My one thing's probably a bit on the heavy side, but um, I'll just briefly talk about the first part and then I'll talk a little bit more about the second part. But um uh, last month, um, I um, I got uh, separated. I separated from um, my kid's um, mother, um, and uh, it's all fine. Like we, uh, it was very amicable, and uh, the kids are doing great. Uh, we had a big talk about it when you know we told the kids, and it uh, it actually went over very well. Uh, and that's all I want to say about that part. Um, but because of that, uh, I'm moving. Um, and uh, I'm not moving very far. I'm moving like a mile and a half from uh, from where I currently live uh, into a really nice little neighborhood, uh, a mere stone's throw from Wegmans. Um, it is actually the neighborhood Bob originally was looking at for. <laughs> it's the neighborhood I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I did not buy a condo. I, I got an apartment, not a condo. So it was there was an opening. I was able to uh, I was able to grab. Uh, but it's a it's a really it's a really cute little apartment. Uh, it's not little. It's a really cute apartment, um, and it is. Um, and I've been over the course of the month, I have been uh, gradually moving into it. So I've been packing up and moving stuff um, over all through the month. The movers arrive to get the last of the stuff this coming Friday, uh, which um, because this will be recorded, it's not going to matter. But I probably won't be on the. Um, on the Friday uh, call because I got to take apart all my computers on Thursday. Um, and then I'm not putting them back together till Friday night till my desk makes it to the, to the new apartment. Uh, but anyway, I've been busy, right? So that's mm -hmm. why um, I've been sore. I've been tired. Um, a lot of the other stress that I've been talking about uh, on the show uh, all has, you know, comes from some of this, some of this from work and all of that. So needless to say, uh, my life's been um, a lot of change. Um, I think in the long run, it's going to, you know, it's all going to be good. The kids are excited to uh, spend their first night uh, over at dad's. Um, not right away. I need like a week or two to get some things unpacked and like actually like, you know, have stuff there um, for them. But we're getting there. Um, I am. Uh, I have. Uh, I am. A frequent flyer on Amazon right now. Amazon's very happy with me. Um, <laughs> as I had to order up a whole bunch of stuff and I've been like, I've been tracking Amazon shipments and I, I bought, you know, a couch and a bed and mattress and like all that stuff. Um, but the place is starting to come together and Friday, uh, things like the gaming table will arrive and the, all the office chairs that go with the gaming table, which will now be my dining room table and my gaming table. Um, cause I'm just going to use that spot for both and, uh, the bookcase and like all my other games and stuff are going to like arrive and like all that stuff. So, uh, that'll be exciting cause you know, I'll, I'll be putting it together, but that is why we're not recording next week. Um, which is why I'm bringing it up. We're not recording next week because I need the week to kind of get things together, but then July 6th we'll be recording live and I will be recording instead of in the basement. I will just be recording from my office. Um, in my comfy chair with my two big monitors and not on my like 11 inch Mac air and iPad. Um, 
and I'm looking forward. I'm excited. I'm excited for the idea of um, recording in, uh, you know, in a place like you guys do it all the time. Like you guys <laughs> yeah. get up and go to the bathroom during the show. I, I can't because I have to like go all the way upstairs and come all the way back downstairs. But I too now will be able to just step out and run to the bathroom <laughs> or to the kitchen, those kinds of things. Um, anyway, anyway, it's a work in progress. Um, I'm, uh, my goal is to get the house up to functional in the next week. And then, um, in over the course of the month, I will start going from functional to, um, from functional to something like to worrying about decorating and stuff like that. I have things for decorating, but I'm not committing to anything until I see where like all the, um, furniture winds up like on what walls and stuff. And then I can start making some decisions about like, yeah. okay, I, you know, I could use something here. I could use something there. Um, that kind of stuff. But in a, like a, like, I don't know, in, in a short amount of time, we'll be able to play some games, board games, role-playing games and stuff um, at my place. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited for that. Um, I'm excited to bring the, you know, the gaming table that we've been playing on for years will be yep. like, you know, um, right there. So yeah, anyway, it's been a lot. Um, I basically work at, like, I basically am working every day and then like running out at lunch to go over to the apartment to do stuff, doing stuff at night at the apartment, packing up stuff here. Um, it's been a lot. It's yep. been a lot. And, uh, I am uh, kind of looking forward to when this all starts to slow down a little bit and, uh, I can, you know, kind of settle in yep. to, uh, into my place. I feel you, brother. I'll be I'll be doing the same thing in the not too distant future. So I know, I know. Trust me, I can't I can't stress enough. Movers, man, like move <laughs> yeah. move the small stuff all during the month, yeah. but send in the movers for the big stuff, man. I am I am like a patchwork of uh, I am like a patchwork of aches and pains right now. Decorating was always my weak spot. That's when I first moved into this house. I was spending all the time and I had a, you know basically a four bedroom house and. Uh, when I moved out of my last place, I only had two things on the wall that weren't shelved. And that was after being there for 20 years. So I moved in here and I, I just hadn't quite settled into the house. I couldn't figure out what it was. And so I was like, well, you haven't put anything up yet. So I just dug out some, some posters and some odd things and just kind of hung them around the house. And as soon as Lily moved in, she started decorating. I took it all down. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't decorate. Like, like my, my personal feeling is, um, and I tried to not to do this upstairs, but, um, like if there's open wall space, I want a bookshelf on it. <laughs> yeah. And so I was, it was always weird because I didn't know how to decorate the house. I didn't know what to put up. I don't collect knickknacks. I don't collect posters or artwork or anything like that. And, uh, it was interesting to see like, what, what could I put up? I ended up, somebody gave me some metallic frogs I stuck on the wall somewhere. Um, it was very, the, the only thing I actually bought for the house is there was a, a Kickstarter a while back. An artist did a, um, a, a poster you could frame. That was all of the items that Wiley Coyote purchased from. Oh, Acme. yes, oh, I know this poster. Yes, nice. with with all, with with all the the episode numbers under. Yep, it. and that's the one thing I bought. Other than that, I had like a poster from the Ogre board game on the wall, um, and, My, and just some other stuff like that. So I have some. I have some like straight up like I have some straight up geeky stuff that was down here um, in the uh, in the game room that will probably go up in the. Um, in the office, but I'm the aesthetic that I'm shooting for is uh retro nerdy. Yep. So uh, one of the, one of the places that I, there's a thing I really want to order 
there's a place that makes these um, posters and they look like um, 1920s and 30s travel posters, but they're all tracks from Mario Kart. So there's like a <laughs> Koopa Beach. There's a Rainbow Road. Oh, oh God, I'm going to have flashbacks when I see Rainbow Road. <laughs> exactly, right? Uh, so I like I want stuff like that. I want some like retro Star Wars stuff. I want yeah. some um, I want cool. some like 80s Atari um i really want 80s atari uh artwork i don't know if yeah. you guys remember the artwork oh, yeah. on the oh very um, much so very, the very cartridges so. yeah right like i want some of those like i want the yeah. warlords i'm sure um, you can picture. find some prints of those you want, you want you want berserk definitely want berserk Berserk, um missile command right yeah. like what i really want is something that like doesn't scream like I stole it from a game store. Yeah. But then yeah. like when you go look at it, you're like, Oh yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Right. Like yeah. I, I, the, the other one that I do want is um, I saw there, somebody has a print of a schematic of deep space nine. And yes. I, I might need nice. like, I might need either a deep space nine schematic or I might need a defiant. Um, I have a, a similar defiant. idea for some but, gaming related stuff to hang in my office, but in mm-hmm. my living space, in the living room slash dining room area somewhere, once I get settled and I figure out where all the furniture is, wherever I end up, one thing that's definitely <laughs> going on the wall is I have one of those five-part pictures where it's like the big one in the middle and then smaller ones out on the sides. Yep. I've got yep. a Godzilla print, a five-piece Godzilla oh, print. Oh, nice. And that's, that's a good one over like the living couch. Room. <laughs> yeah. Like over the couch kind of guy. We my, um, my, my, thing was I, my thing was I decided I was going to decorate the basement in in geekness and then decorate the, the, the upper one um, in like more traditional household attire. Yeah. And then when Lily moved in, she's such a, she's got a good eye for like, for just aesthetics and country kitchen that that's looks better. Uh, the only thing she kept his eye for a while, I had a little statue of two frogs playing checkers using ladybugs. And even mm-hmm. that I got, that was out <laughs> frog thing for a while, <laughs> but it's good. I'm glad to see that. That's really important. Cause I think that, yeah, making the place your own, making the place your own with decoration makes a huge difference. So, yeah. sounds cool. Yeah, it's actually the first time in my life that I'll have will have lived on my own. Um, I've uh, I've always like lived with somebody else, and uh, this will be the first time that a uh, like a whole apartment will be my own space to kind of um, set up the way I'd like it and um, take care of it and uh, decorate it and stuff like that. So, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. It'll, right. um, it's going to require some changes and, you know, I mean, with, you know, with the kids coming over and things like that, I have to kind of change up my weekly routines, but that'll, that'll all work itself out yep. appropriately. Um, so anyway, we've, we've, we've used up yes. a lot of time on this. Um, why don't I jump through the announcements super quick and we'll get right into our yep. future segment. So thank you everyone for letting us, uh, indulge on some real life stuff for a bit. Um, because we are actual real humans who do real life stuff <laughs> yes, uh, and have real lives out outside of these recordings. All right, cool. Uh, my only announcement this week is just to make mention of Voyager week 16. Holy shit. Is this a good week? Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize it till I was like assembling the, the, um, the list for the week. And I looked at the episodes and I was like, holy shit. Like there is no loser in the bunch this week. Um, we have a great double feature tonight for the, um, for the watch party, uh, we are going to watch a uh, very, very good episode called Pathfinder. Um, and then we are going to watch uh, a very amusing holodeck misadventure. Um, 
called uh, Fairhaven. But mm-hmm. then we've got like two really good sci-fi episodes, like really good, just like good sci-fi stories. Um, there is, I think, a doctor story in the middle. And then we end with the episode that includes The Rock. <laughs> I can't even stress to you enough that there is an episode of Voyager that has The Rock in it. And it is everything you want it to be. Uh, it also has two DS9 alum in it as well. Nice. Um, like minor, like actors, not characters. Yeah. Um, but I guarantee if you're Bob, you'll recognize him immediately. Yeah. Everyone else could, you yeah. know, we'll have to work up to it. But Bob is, will is, be like, oh, I see it. I see it. It's one of them Bruce Campbell because he shows up everywhere. No, 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 no. no I, like Campbell I said, Deep Space Nine. showed up on Trek yet. Yeah, he, Bruce Campbell's Bruce Campbell's from DS9. He's well, everywhere, but that's okay. Yeah. So, so anyway, it, it is a um, it is a, there is no loser in the bunch. It, it's so good there are no bonus episodes because I just did like five consecutive episodes and we're like, well, these are all good. Yeah. So I, I'm excited for this week. Yes. This week with this week we got some enjoyable um, stuff and we have a guest joining us uh, yes, tonight on the watch party. Meg Dornbrock is going to come join us uh, to watch both episodes. I think tonight. Nice. All right. And in the after show, I'll argue with Jerry about Bruce Campbell never being on Star Trek. Okay. So, no, I, you know, I we've got, he's never been on Star Trek. this is, this is a workshop. Oh, which, shit. Okay. Hang on. You know, my water down. Some need people my water think this is their favorite bit. Okay. So, you know, it's. Yes, yes, yes. Workshop, workshop. We're doing reoccurring characters. They're coming back. They're coming back again. They're coming back again. You better make them good so you don't annoy your players each time this play, this character comes back in the workshop. It's reoccurring characters. Don't suck. All right. So tonight we're going to talk about the reoccurring NPCs, which by that we mean the ones that are, show up again and again in, in the campaigns you run or play. Um, this came up because I've had my share of experiences with both good ones and bad ones. And we thought that tonight we want to talk about what goes into making a good recurring NPC and what happens when you have a bad one and what responsibilities the players have when interacting with them. And of course, to get started, we got to get some definitions up. So let me play this little ditty here. Behold! You are in the presence of Definition Panda. So yeah, we so um, we don't have too many um, we don't have too many definitions for tonight, uh, but we do need to kind of cover a few things to get everything started. Uh, reoccurring to occur again or repeatedly, and recurring, occurring again periodically or repeatedly. Uh, a reoccurring or recurring character is an NPC that shows up in a campaign more than once. And while these two words sound the same, there is actually a little bit of a difference between these two words. I actually hit the Googles to find out. Uh, Jerry, tell Bob what the difference is. Okay. Reoccur and recur are both verbs that share a common root word. Um, while they're very close in meaning, they're not the same thing. Something as recurring happens over and over and over again. Uh, possibly at regular intervals. In contrast, something that's reoccurring is simply happening again, but not always repeatedly. It might just happen once. Yeah, right. so that, t- that I have to say, um, Google Docs threw me for a oh. loop because I went in to look at the show notes and it was underlined everywhere you had reoccurring. Oh, I hated and it. Was it. Like, no, no, that's not a word. You mean recurring. And I'm like, well, yeah. fuck. So I changed it. And then I got down no, to this definition too. and went, well, shit, it is a word. Why did you underline it and tell me it wasn't a word? 
So then I did an actual Google search and went, yep, it's a word. <laughs> I went back and I changed it again. <laughs> I'm like, I did the exact same thing. I went through and changed every occurrence of reoccur, reoccur to recur until we got to this definition. And then I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so, so I think alike. <laughs> so it started when I started writing the episode, I wrote reoccurring and it was like recurring. And I'm like, hold up, Google. And I opened a second, second, second tab. And I was like, recurring or re reoccurring. And like, you know, like I just, you know, put those two words in there and then it popped up that paragraph and I read it and I'm like, well, technically we could use either, which now gets me back onto the notes. Technically we could use either one of these, um, to cover what we're talking about, but the actual more correct term is reoccurring because there's no guarantee that an NPC is going to show up in future episodes, right? A recurring yeah. character might be um, something like if you were doing mission-based adventures and your handler mm -hmm. is a recurring character because they're going to be there every, like, you know, at the, at the beginning right. of every story, a reoccurring NPC is like somebody you meet and maybe you meet them again later, you meet them again later on some other interval. Or not, right? I don't think we need to split hairs on that. I'm not <laughs> no. going to jump on anyone tonight. So if you use right. reoccurring or recurring, it's fine. But we did actually go the extra distance to um, explain what it was. To, ju to just, just to check off, like just to check it. Because again, it did the same thing to me. Like immediately as soon as I typed reoccurring, it was like, ah, Phil. And I'm like, hmm, hold up. Hang okay. on. Hang on. Okay, so cool. All right. So with that all aside, what we are talking about when we are talking about RPGs is we are talking about NPCs that make multiple appearances in your game, right? These NPCs can be good, neutral, or evil, right? So we can have reoccurring characters that are good. We can have reoccurring characters that are just, you know, people we pass in the town. We can have reoccurring villains. Um, the reoccurring part is what really is like the important part here, right? Um, which is that they're going to get introduced in a session and then at a future time or once or more, they're going to return into the story to interact with the players again. Um, and, and that actually means something, right? It means that they will know the characters. They will have history with the characters from previous interactions. And they present an opportunity for the characters to actually get to know the, the NPC better. Because often an end, like how much you know an NPC in a given session, you know, you don't really like usually wind up knowing what you need to know to kind of complete the adventure. But if a character shows up over and over, we have more opportunities to learn more about them. And, and really think about it, if you think about like reoccurring, um, if you think about reoccurring people in TV shows, and because you mentioned Bruce Campbell, I will, uh, you know, mention like in Xena, the Prince of Thieves, right? Like, you know, if I, I am correct, right? He was the Prince of Thieves in, um, Autolycus. You know, yeah. Was he Autolycus? Yeah. 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 Yes. So, and he was a reoccurring character on Xena. Maybe Hercules, but I don't talk about Hercules. You're right. Um, Not Bruce Campbell. I'm sorry. You're right. Now I understand. Jeffrey you're Combs? About. I've got the right. Thank you. That's what okay. I'm thinking of. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I get those. Yep. Yeah, I, two totally you, different. You know, where I, you know where I was going with that? I got lost. Thank you. Uh, anyway. But, by the way, we talk about good and bad in these contexts. We're not talking about good versus evil. We're talking about some that are good for the campaign and some that are frustrating to the campaign. Yes, so, for the rest of this talk, yes, when we yeah, talk about yeah. good or bad, we're talking about yeah. well-formed or not well-formed. There you exactly. go. That's a good way to put it. Yes, All right. Yes. So 
As a tool for telling stories, there's a lot you can do with reoccurring characters. Jerry, what can you tell us about that? Well, first of all, a, a reoccurring character is going to do all the same things that a good single NPC does for a game. But in addition to adding to the game itself, they can do a couple other things. Number one is they're going to create continuity by being someone the players can interact with over the course of the game and see some sort of change. And this continuity is the most important thing they do. Yeah. A good campaign... Right. If we're talking about what really makes up a campaign, right, we've you know, we talk we've talked about this a lot of times, right? A campaign is obviously multiple sessions strung together, but that's not really what makes a good campaign. Like we played DCC and played a whole bunch of adventures back to back. And technically, that's a campaign. It wasn't a good campaign in terms of the structure of a campaign. A good campaign feels the passage of time. Mm -hmm. Our forbidden lands game is a good campaign Mm -hmm. um and and what i mean by a good campaign feels the passage of time is that the characters have memories of things that have happened in the past and reoccurring a reoccurring character is a great way to demonstrate that um they will notice um the reoccurring character will notice the change in the characters right they'll notice like oh i remember when you could barely cast you know when you could barely cast light you know, and here you are, like defending the town from a dragon with your spells, right? Um, they'll remember the things they've done. Um, sometimes they'll remember heroic things. Sometimes they'll remember funny things. Like, you know, this is that thing about like, you know, um, when you go home, like no matter how awesome you are, like you can never, like you can never, like you can never go home. There's a, um, oh, I, there's a story about Jesus going home to Nazareth. No one takes him seriously because like, he's just Joseph's kid. Right. And he's going <laughs> to jump in on that in a second after I said that, but, but it's essentially that, right? Like the, the reoccurring characters will be like, ah, oh, like I remember like when, you know, like I remember when you let the pigs out of the pen and you're like, yeah, but I'm like a hero now. Right. Like, yeah, but make sure the pen's closed. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, they are reoccurring characters are touchstones to the campaign world. Right. Because you can't really, as a player, I can describe to you the town and you can imagine it in your head and I can describe to you the changes in the town. And that's kind of interesting. But what really makes you feel like things have passed is when you interact with characters because it's a chance to have a conversation. It's a chance for the GM to talk to you um, as well as for you to talk to them. And so these reoccurring characters are really like these touchstones in the campaign world that make things feel more real. Mm-hmm. Addiction, that's a very important thing. They're going to do things that any other NPC does. So they're going to be doing things like they're going to be doing, uh, adding details to the world, telling the players about what's going on. Um, the players hopefully will become emotionally invested in them. Um, they're going to be seeds for adventures if the players get involved with them. Um, sometimes they can be comic relief. And they're a good way for the GM to get out and act and grow as a character as well. Basically have somebody in the game that shows some growth growth, and a chance to kind of stretch their uh, their role-playing skills. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's not hard to have an NPC come back over and over in the course of a campaign, but that doesn't make them a good reoccurring character. Phil, what makes a good reoccurring character? Sure. Right. So a lot of what goes into making a good re- reoccurring character is actually true for any NPC, right? Like what makes a good NPC? Like you can't be a, you can't be a, a bad, as in malfor- like, you know, like not formed well. You can't be a bad NPC and be a good reoccurring character, right? right. Like 
you actually have to first be a decent character like and mm-hmm. then you like then there are still things we need to do to make it good reoccurring character so jerry what are like like run me through some of the things that make a good npc well first of all they should be somebody that the players enjoy interacting with they don't have to like them but they have to like interacting with them um they should be somebody that can sometimes give useful contributions to either the party or the story some recurring npcs will give a special uh, niche skill or spell or ability or or something um and sometimes they're just going to contribute to the story itself by either filling in the gaps or acting as a part of the story that the players have a chance to interact with to either bring them back to the story or make them feel more grounded or connected to it. Um, some good recurring characters are going to have interesting character traits or quirks that the uh, players seem to like, either their reactions to the players. Um, it could be things like, like vocal inflections. It could be um, the way that they act. It could be the way that the GM is portraying them at the table. Um, some of them have a fun backstory that the players want to get involved with, and that can lead back to some sort of story link. And sometimes uh, the NPC can actually fill in a niche in the PC backstory or story arc. If the if the players have, you know, a missing brother or somebody in their past that did something, uh, a recurring NPC that the players like could be somebody who fills that niche, either by the GM's choice or often the player's choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, those are all really good traits of a good NPC. Um, so because this character is going to show up in the story again and again, there's also some additional things you want to do to make them a really good reoccurring character. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, one of the first things is, um, and Jerry touched on this a little, but I think it's even more important for a reoccurring character is some sort of notable description, voice or catchphrase so that the characters always recognize this NPC. Uh, and because remember, uh, we all have our own images of what NPCs look like and things like that. But if you have something that you're like really consistent about that NPC, like this NPC always does a thing, uh, it will it will help like um, key in the players. Like a long time ago, we played Bob and I played an Ebron D&D campaign and there was this uh, guy who was a recurring NPC who hired our characters a couple times. And he had this trait where he would sit with his hat in his hands and and fidget with the hat, like kind of turning it in his hands while he talked to us in a mousy way. And we all knew the second before the GM even spoke or before the GM even described the character, as soon as his hands kind of went into that position of like holding the hat, like we all knew we're like, oh, it's this guy again. Like, what trouble are you in now? Right. Like, but that was like, that's like a great hook for a reoccurring yep. character. So, you know, have like when you've decided to commit to a character being reoccurring, invest a little in something about them, whether it's that like they always wear a red blazer. Um, uh, who did I have, Bob? I had a character that always wore uh, black on black. Oh, he was the bad guy from uh, Witchcraft. Oh. Or the black suit with the black shirt and the black tie. Um, okay, yeah. But it was, but it was that kind of thing. Like as soon as I said, like, oh, the guy, you know, like the camera pans over and you see this, you know, black suit with a black shirt, and, and all the players be like, oh, son of a bitch, right? Like, <laughs> have that, have that hook because that's what keys um, players in quickly to who this NPC is. Um, reoccurring NPC should have goals. Um, they don't need to be full characters, but like, 
like your you know your barkeep that the players visit every time they go through town like that guy should be working on his retirement you know like yo you know yo i'm going up this weekend to you know put a little more work on the cabin right like that kind of thing like that's the thing that the you know the players then when they interact with them like they discover that this isn't just like a cutout that's there to serve drinks and be you know an information broker but actually like discover that like oh there's actually more to this you know like to this character and players like that like players like learning more about characters for the most part some players don't but I think that's pretty true. Um, and then the other thing is that because they're reoccurring, you can deepen their backstory and like have more things for them to be di- like to discover through play. You don't have to write it all up if, at once and you don't have to like um, you don't have to puke it out onto the players all at once. But like you can like build a little backstory, some of it in advance, some of it just in between sessions. Be like, oh, you know what? I never thought of this before, but that barkeep like he was, you know he fought in the last great war. Like I, I, I didn't plan him that way when I first mm-hmm. made him, but uh, he does now like, you know, and he never talks about it, uh, and, but now he's going to talk about it to the players because the story that we're going to cover where the players are going to re, you know, like bump into him again is going to be like about things from the great war. That's where you he first got the idea other, to become a turnip farmer. <laughs> you can also, you can also have NPCs that mention, you know, later on the players encounter somebody who mentions serving in a unit with, with, uh, Oh yeah. The barkeep, uh, uh, the barkeep, uh, the, in the after show off to talk about the, the, uh, the, I think it's the Lee Marvin story like that. There's a Lee Marvin story like that. We'll talk about that in the after show. Yeah, there we go. Um, okay. So, um, in addition to backstory, things about recurring characters that they can be either static or they can be dynamic. Um, a static character is going to be somebody who doesn't change much over time. Like the stuffy Butler who keeps showing up. Always makes snide comments with a PC's visit, um, but secretly helps them as they go along. That's a character who doesn't change at all. It is somebody that can, they can rely on and gives some familiarity to a scene. However, Phil? Yeah. So the, the opposite of that is the dynamic character, right? So this is a reoccurring character that actually grows and changes over time. So this could be like the apprentice blacksmith who like after like a whole handful of adventures or you guys have been plane hopping or whatever, you come back to town and you discover they're now a full blacksmith. And then, you know, some weird shit happens. There's some time portals and you like, you fight some gods or whatever. When you come back um, now they're, they've taken over for the woman that trained them from, you know, from the woman that trained them. And now they're the town's blacksmith. Cool. Right. That's a dynamic character. He's like changed yeah. over time. And, a lot of growth. Um, you know, players can see that. Cool. So with all that good advice, are there things that we should avoid when it comes to reoccurring characters, Jerry? All right. <laughs> there are some uh, reoccurring characters that can be poorly done. The problems with a bad recurring character are going to be similar to other NPCs, except that this NPC keeps showing up. So anything annoying that they do will happen over and over and over with each occurrence. And therefore, it's even more important to avoid certain things. Yeah. So um, first of all, quirkily annoying, right? Like, they have some sort of quirk that no one likes. Yeah. The second thing is if they're overpowering. If they constantly show up to save the day, or they're constantly showing up and basically one up or, or upstaging the PCs in such a way that makes the PCs feel um, less important or feel like they didn't matter. Um, they, um, they wind up being too essential to the plot to be left behind. Like, a, a good a good NPC kind of like is uh, like, you know, helps move a thing along. 
but is not like the key to moving everything along. And tied into that is when they're forced on the party. <laughs> the, the NPC that uh, the players don't want around, but that because of the storyline or just because of what happens as the GM puts things there, it's constantly being forced on the party to stick around with them. Um, that can become extremely annoying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they could interfere or twist the PC's efforts too often, right? Like if the if the sole purpose of the NPC is to come in and like, you know, fuck with the plans of the players nobody's gonna like this guy um you know like if he always double crosses the players like if he's the little muppet from farscape right yeah. like like you want to airlock that guy as fast as possible name on it. <laughs> actually actually the, the the entire discussion that brought this whole topic to the forefront are the martell sisters from the bad batch every time they show up all they do is deliberately interfere with the with the, with the with the hero's efforts. And that's how you know that it's a written media and not a role-playing game. Cause in yeah. like, you know, cause in a role-playing game, you'd have just airlocked them. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, see ya. Two yep. to the back of the head. Exactly. <laughs> and then out the airlock and then blow them up. Anyway. Um, so when you have these bad recurring characters, um, what can happen is this can force the party away from key plot elements or even make them abandon a quest or even the whole game. Um, we played a couple of games when I was still working for uh, Dark City Games. We had one of the authors did some online games and played in a few things with us. And every time he played, he had a character named Cree. Every single game he played, he played a character named Cree. Same character. Uh, when he wrote his game books he submitted, Cree uh, was an NPC that the players had to pick along with them in every game. And then he started running his own campaign. He ran a one-shot that then his character Cree showed up as an NPC and then ran a campaign. And when he ran the campaign and asked for players, we all joined, and three of us said, we'll play in your game, but if he shows up, we leave. Oh, boy. And, and like, a month into the game, he showed up, and we all just left the game. We're like, you're not trustworthy as a GM, because this was their, they liked this NPC, and nobody liked him. But they liked him because it was their, uh, their, their, kind of their, their, uh, what do you call it, their, their idolon in the game. Um, and just didn't, I didn't, I know I used the wrong term there, but, um, yeah, we, we, but I think we know where you're going. I, I've seen that though in other games where it's, where, uh, I'm sure I've done it as a GM in my early days where you have a, uh, a, a NPC in there, but we've actually had games where what Bob and I talked about at the beginning of the, of the game where this NPC shows up and because that NPC is involved with the plot, the players just refuse to have anything to do with it. Like, okay, yes. we, we are not going, we're not, if they bring it up to us, we're not doing it. And, um, now the, we're going to talk about the more mature way to deal with that <laughs> than what we've done before, but, uh, but that can happen. And yeah. I've seen it completely derail campaigns. I've seen it end games and I've seen it really mess up the plot. It makes it frustrating for the GM as well, because the GM's trying to do something and the players are resistant to it. Um, because of the NPC involved, it can either slow down or completely move plots around. So. That's our take on bad recurring characters. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to pause you really quick because um, yeah. Avi was asking, what exactly was annoying about Kree? Like, um, so Kree was um, uh, always the best at everything, even if uh, they weren't. There it is. Um, <laughs> as as a as a player character, Kree had one of those um, super detailed backstories that fell just short of "I'm half demigod" kind of things. Um, the player playing Kree kept trying to insert their own um, 
campaign backstory stuff into this because, as I said, he was an author writing for writing some game books for our for our thing. So when he played in games, he was trying to insert his own stuff in there, his own Ouch. ideas. It's, and it, it was one of those things where this this player was just uh, the like the only character this character played. It was their their favorite character, and obviously it bends something in another campaign that was really good. Kept trying to push that character in that direction. Yeah, yeah. Kept step kept stepping on as a player character. Kept stepping on other people's roles in the game. Oof. Um, was a teleporting was a teleporting player as well, if you know what that term means. So yeah, yep. and then as an NPC was just a better swordsman than everybody was. Yes, handsome and brave, and I've got just all those. I'm things. awesome, airlock. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. But, so uh, so far, yep. we've talked about stuff that GMs can do, but what about players supporting oh, yeah. recurring characters? Phil, what do we do with that? Yeah, you know, we don't we don't want to just pin this on uh, on the GM, right? Everybody has a responsibility at the table for having for having and making um the you know, everything a fun time. So yeah, players um players do have a job when it comes to reoccurring characters. Um and, and the most important job that they have is to actually interact with the NPC. Right? Like if the GM's bringing them around, uh ideally, we you know, we were there they're there to be interacted with. So a reoccurring NPC is a chance for the GM actually to have longer and deeper interactions with the players. Like it's like from a GM side, I love reoccurring characters for exactly this reason, right? Like this is my chance to kind of get to dig in with the players because I don't always have to play. Like I've just met you for the first time, or I don't know your bullshit. Yeah. Right. Like, like that's what, like that's what the reoccurring character gets me as a, as a GM. So like for me, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And if players are lukewarm about about interacting with this NPC, like then like we're not gonna have like I can't have that fun with you, and you're not gonna have that fun of me interacting because you know you're just like eh, NPC. I don't really want to talk to them. Whatever. Like we're just doing our thing. Well, be- before right? we jump out, before we get away from this, I think as a player, it's also important that if you find NPCs you like, it's important to the GM. If, if you see the GMs having a good time playing with a character. Make sure you let the GM know that you like that character. You want them to show up again. Yes. Um, you know, uh, Bob Rivers from, from Chris's Eberron campaign, uh, in the very first adventure before Bob joined, we had encountered this neophyte town guardsman and the players liked him. And then when Bob showed up, we got involved with him again and we let Chris know that we like this guy. We're going to go out of our way that if his name is mentioned, we're a hundred percent on board with whatever stories involved with that character, even if it's a distraction for us. <laughs> and so that character showed up, but also meant that as a GM, Chris could give us information through that character that we could trust and that we knew that anything coming from him was something we should pay attention to and sure. follow as a story. So Chris enjoyed playing him. We enjoyed working with him. And as a result, there was a nice mesh there because we didn't have to constantly reestablish that trust and also meant that we all knew from a medic standpoint that if this character showed up and mentioned something, we should pay attention to it, and that's a good lead. And it was useful for when we were following the wrong clues. <laughs> um, so, well, and I, you know, I, know. I, I agree completely, right? I so first of all, I don't think again, there's no magic to this, right? So, um, it's all communication. Yeah. If you like an NPC, you should absolutely tell your uh, GM, even if the GM initially was going to just make this as a throwaway NPC mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh no, this NPC is fantastic. Like we, like we really had a good time. I, I hope he's, I hope he comes back <laughs> in a future session. The GM will make that happen. 
Like it may just take a little creativity. Like how do I get this bartender, like, you know, over to the next, uh, you know, over to the next town galaxy or whatever, but sure. Like I'll figure it out. Like that's what I'm here for. So I, I, I highly encourage it is, it is very easy to just say at the end of a session or at a break during a session or whatever, be like this NPC, I'm, I'm just loving them. Right. Like, I'm just loving them and I'm hoping that this NPC is going to be back yep. uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything obscure. Like, you know, have your character, you know, like, I mean, you have your character be interested and have a good time with them, but you don't have to like, you know, you can just, you don't have to be, you can, you don't have to be um, covert about this. Just tell the GM. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally fine. The GM's yeah. not going to be thrown off by it either. They'll be like, Oh, thanks. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So I will, I will say, I will say just one more thing about that. As a GM, if I throw out an NPC and it like all of a sudden it becomes um, like everybody like latches onto him or we have a couple good scenes, my own inclination is I will put a like in my my notes during the session, I will just put a star next to their name and be like, oh, this person, this person will be coming back. Like, I, I think I originally had a NPC. Oh, I did. Originally, I had an NPC for um, Tales from the Loop um, for just like a session that was this nerdy computer girl named Leah. And um, she wound up like gelling so well with the group when I played her character that I was like, like, I was like, oh, no, Leah is um, yeah. like I'm escalating this character. Yeah. Um, and pushing her way forward into the story. Good news, you just got you just got promoted to less expendable. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like it was a kind of thing like it was she, like she fit into a particular story that we were doing. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, she was the girl who got caught in the um, phone booth when the birds attacked. Yeah, and there wasn't anything like terribly special about her. They like they there was a classmate or whatever. But over time, she became like a really cool. Yep. Um, like NPC reoccurring NPC in the game. I dug her very much. Yep. She was fun. I actually dug the, I dug the interactions with everybody when I put Leah into a scene. That's who I took to the winter ball. Yes. You took her to the winter ball after, after, after much, um, uh, what you call it? Waffling on that. It was good. It was good. All right. So what if Jerry, I'll just pose this to you so that you can pick up where we left off. What if, the NPC sucks. What should the players do? Well, first, you have to tell the GM when a recurring NPC is not working for them. Um, in some cases, the GM may not catch on that there's like an NPC, but in many cases, the GM may not even notice. Um, don't just have your characters blow off the NPC or shoot them, flush them off the airlock, give them the hungry cyber pandas, whatever. Um, have the conversations as players with the, with the GM. Because in most cases, the gym can make necessary tweaks to improve a character. In the same campaign that Cree was a character in, the GM had a situation where they wanted to introduce basically a Captain Jack Sparrow character. And had that character come in and start hitting on one of the other players in the game. And that player had already decided, had already discussed that her character was not interested in any romantic prospects whatsoever and had been kind of vamped before or, or pressured before by other people. Um, and he kept having this character be kind of obnoxious, have a swagger, kind of hit on the girl, and was trying to use them as, and, and because this was all played by post, it wasn't face-to-face, it was a little more difficult to react with. And finally, 
I had to contact the GM privately and explain to him that the rest of the party was planning on killing this character because he wasn't taking no for an answer and that we were going to drag him back and stab him. What was his deal? And the GM was just flabbergasted. Despite all of our comments to the contrary, he thought we all loved him because it's Captain Jack Sparrow. Who doesn't love Captain Jack Sparrow? <laughs> and in his eyes. And um, because we didn't talk to him. And we should have said early on, like, we don't like this guy. We're going to make him go away. Um, we kept pushing him off and everybody thought, and the GM thought it was one of those, oh, we're just verbally sparring with him, not we're going to stab you and set you on fire and then bury the ashes kind of thing. Exactly. Um, this this is that thing where subtlety almost never works. Like yeah, it's no. so much better to just tell like, and this goes to the eight things that GM is doing at all times. Right. So like yeah. if I'm playing this character and I think it's going off reasonably well, um, or I'm just kind of lost in the fact that I'm really enjoying my own portrayal of the character. Maybe I'm doing a bad job or maybe in the, in those eight skills I'm juggling, one of them is not reading the table. Yeah. Um, you know, and the players are just like kind of, you know, eh, about it. I can leave that table with a very skewed view of this character being like, oh, that went off really well because I like did the character really well. Yep. But maybe like, mm-hmm. like Jerry said, maybe everybody hates this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I have learned long ago, just if we let the GM know, I, we don't like this guy. Yeah, we don't like um, this guy. Um, I, I, and I will flat out just say like, is this, is this character important? Because we don't like him, or I'll even go as far as saying, you know, is this character too important for me to kill right now? And because I can't stand them at all, and if they show up again, we're gonna have problems. Yeah. And then I, the GM says, "Um, okay, what's going on?" Have you know? I have in the past asked, um, "Is this character supposed to be likable?" Yes, that's a like, good one. That is like that's yep. often a good way to like start a conversation with the GM, like is this character supposed to be likable? And then it'd be like, why (laughs) are they not? And be like, not really. Like they screw us all the time. Like, Oh, Oh, I guess you're right. Like it's that kind of thing. Because a lot of times, like when I'm making NPCs, I'll be like, okay, this character is like supposed to be the friend of the character. So I'm assuming I've made him likable. And then I inject him into the game. With the thought in my head that, oh, yeah, this is a likable character mm-hmm. um, without knowing if that actually achieved its mark or not. Right. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, it is like it is important. Like, that's a great like it's a good way to open up. Like, am I supposed to hate this character? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm supposed to hate this character. And sometimes that's exactly my intention. Like when we made um, when we were playing I Hunt. Mm-hmm. um I did everything possible to make sure that the first target, the uh, douchey hedge fund wizard, yep. um, was as unlikable as possible. Like every everything about this um, character exuded like I am unlikable as hell. And the players caught on to it. Like it was one of those cases where as soon as like they learned, like they saw the picture and they were like, oh. God. And then they like learned more about him. Like they learned a couple of his aspects, including have you met my father? Um, and they were just like, this guy's got to die. And I was like, mission accomplished. Yeah. Like I have landed this NPC exactly where he's supposed to be. He is unlikable as fuck. Um, which was great because I knew what, you know, he was reoccurring with a, with a, um, with a limit. Um, he was only going to reoccur for so long before the players murdered him. So, 
Um, yeah, yeah. Like well, we, that. I mean, I've told you, I mean, we, we had a campaign where the entire organization we worked for was full of, was full of characters that the GM thought we all liked. And we had been secretly plotting to overthrow the entire organization because yes. we thought, we thought all of them were villains. And yes. because we didn't talk to the GM about it early enough, it got to the point where we never trusted them. Like, we just couldn't come back from that because it was about eight sessions in. But the GM just, it partially is because they were doing a pre-written adventure. The pre-written adventure is just badly written. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's that kind of thing. You, you get to that point where it, it goes that way. And there's other times that the GM thinks they're playing a character as bad and the players attack. This, this happened in my, in my Lecton fantasy campaign where the main villain of the first adventure, the one character fell in love with him. The other character wanted to join his team. They began to really look into what he was doing and why, and maybe he wasn't a completely bad guy and changed the entire scope of the entire campaign from that point because, and, and yeah, she did end up romancing him and eventually marrying him. Um, but that, that, you know, I was planning on him being a villain and he ended up being one of their allies. Um, it happens. It's, I will, it's I, good for me. I will also say this. It is entirely possible to, um, it's entirely possible on a meta level to have a character that your character hates. Yep. That you as the player tell the GM that you love having around. Oh, yes. Very much right? so. Like, like, like. I hate this guy. Like my character hates this guy so much. That'll come up in the questions. Yep. What? Oh yes. Okay, good. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's um. like, I mean, that's also a thing you can tell the GM, right? Like I loathe, like my character loathes this person, but oh no, eventually I'm going to hate kiss this person. So please leave them in the campaign because that's, that's on its way. Yes. All right. That domino has been set. That being said, we should wrap up the first part of the segment. Yes, we should. Okay. So that's that's our basic overview of reoccurring characters. We're going to check in with the chat room because they've actually queued up a couple of questions. Uh-huh. We're going to jump into those questions in a moment. Yeah. But first, Bob, tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Yeah, so we got this little ditty called uh, Pandas Talking Games. Um, you may have heard of it. Um, have I have Phil and Senda? They they uh, they sit down on the mics and they answer your questions about RPGs. They started out with the perspective of one shots versus campaigns. Uh, sometimes they'd switch it up and they give you two different kind of uh, not necessarily opposing views, but two different angles. Now it's just a free for all. We'll just throw <laughs> throw a topic. We'll we'll talk they're, about. They're it. throwing a plate of spaghetti up against the wall. Look at like at, at five years. At five years, <laughs> it's hard to keep one shtick. Like you gotta like you gotta be fluid. Like you gotta just keep it going. You gotta grow. You gotta evolve. Otherwise, you stagnate. Um, but they do it with panda silliness, which you gotta have the panda silliness. And if you listen to it, you will love it. It's like a cult. It's I true. mean, it's a very, yep. very fun show that you will enjoy for the rest of your days. It's not like a cult. It's at there all. to listen to if you like. If you'd like to have more, more better. What is it? More better games. More better. That's our other. More yeah, better more games better. is our other. Slogan. Or more better. Mm-hmm. More better games. Yeah. All right. So, chat room. More better. More so, games. What we've got? Um, we've got a couple of fine ones from Ovi the Jackal. Um, <clears throat> the first one. Is there any special differences between a reoccurring character that the GM planned versus a reoccurring character that's reincorporated by the player-generated PCs? I would say there's not a lot of difference as long as the players let the GM know that they're bringing them back. 
Um, if the GM is planning them, then they're going to have a little bit more of an idea ahead of time of what they want that character to do the next time they show up. Or if the players bring them back, the GM may have to improv a little. Um, so it's best for the, for the players to know. But they might just say, um, one of the ways players can can kind of love letter this to their GM is, um, you know, we go back to this town, we immediately go look for, um, you know, Bob the Bob the, the barkeep because we really had a good time with him last time, or that sort of thing is is looking for that NPC as soon as they're back in an area, or if the players you know you walk into the bazaar and immediately somebody goes oh 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 is Ukla there you know um, that's a good sign that, that that you're love lettering that. Aside from that, I don't think there's a lot of difference between one of the players pick and one of the GM picks, except for the GM one is going to probably have a little bit more initial story hook to them because of the story involvement because the GM was planning on that. Yeah. That's my, my thought. On my it. personal yeah, I, opinion, I, mean, I, I like the ones that the players create on their own. When the players have, have caused this, this NPC to be a reoccurring character, I'm like, all right, they like that person and they brought them mm-hmm. back. Like that, that to me feels more organic than the, the, the GM bringing them back and, and kind of like, yeah, I suppose that's organic too. Yeah, whatever. So I'll be I'll be saying that um he said no, I meant the GM reincorporating an NPC that the players generated. So um so if the players generate the NPC, um I think like like Jerry said, um you may not know as much. If the um I'm assuming and and Avi can correct us if I'm wrong, even if the players created it, the, it's an NPC, so the GM's playing the NPC. Yeah. Now it's possible that the players, like one of the players, is playing their own NPC. You know, like an NPC, like a mm-hmm. sidekick, like maybe you're Batman and you've got your Robin character, um, and everybody's like, "No, no, bring the Robin character back!" Right, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of it still kind of goes through um, what we talked about, right? Like, first of all, you got to be a good character. Um, Second of all, um, as a good reoccurring character, right? Like you, you need to have some of that, like that depth, that catch, like that catchiness so that everybody knows who it is. Um, so I think whether, like, whether the players create it and hand it off to the GM, like, Hey, I created like this, you know, like, Oh, my parents have this butler, mm-hmm. right? He's like this really stodgy butler, except when no one's around, he curses like a sailor. And then you just mm-hmm. like give that to the GM, right? Like here, take, take this and have fun with it. Like mm-hmm. that's, um, like that's great. Like I, you know, I then, you know, then it's just on the GM to make sure that you, um, because you didn't write that character, you quick jot down some notes so that you know how to play the character again in the future. And if it's a character that the, um, players create and they're also going to play out, um, I actually don't think there's a huge difference in that. Um, in that you should just still do the things that make a, make a good character, mm-hmm. like that make a good NPC. I think, I think, uh, a good example of that, Bob, would be the, the Dwarven Guards from the Eberron game, where we encountered some, uh, our third player encountered some Dwarven Guards that Chris tossed in, and Bob and I just took them over as, as, as NPCs and interacted with them. And the next time that we had to go someplace in the Dwarven Quarter, um, Oh, one of the players is like, oh, we see this guard we met before. And the next time we went there, oh, we saw this guard we met before. Oh, you're talking about the dudes at the bank. Yeah, the dudes at the bank. And they were not helpful to us anytime they showed up. No, they no. were always diff- They were always difficult for us. Yeah. But um, because Bob and I played them first, then Chris ran them that same way and added his own fun twist to them. So they were always um, slightly difficult to deal with. It became recurring characters. And they were 
I mean, technically they were created by by Bob and I because Chris just said guards and we jumped into their yeah. bodies because we weren't in the scene. Yeah. And then after that, Chris just kept bringing them back whenever we asked for them. We would ask for them, you know, and it, it worked very well. Yeah. That, you know, he wasn't expecting us to have the guards show up again. But the first time we encountered guards in the Dwarven Quarter, they were the ones we encountered, and they were just as difficult. Yeah. Um, and, and we loved that. Yeah. That's a good, that's also a good example of characters that the players that the characters don't like what the players do. Yeah. Because they were always <laughs> going to be there to foil our characters, but we enjoyed interacting with yep. them and being foiled by them. So, Absolutely. Cool. All right, right. Let's do another one. Yep. Uh, uh, we also asked, um, we provided some examples of why it's good to have reoccurring characters, but are there times when you should avoid using a previous NPC and introduce a totally new one? I mean, I think if your stable of NPCs is small, um, you might want to add one in to just, you know, expand it out. Um, I think if you have to go to like, um, to, you know, great stretches of story and plot to figure out like, why is it always this, like this, like, how is this character have all of the smuggling jobs, the assassination job, you know, like, like, you know, the blacklist is about like one of those characters, right? Like there, there can't be that, that many Raymond, Raymond Reddington's in the, in the universe. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, I think that, um, in terms of reoccurring characters, you don't want to have so many that it's diluted and that you never really get to play them enough times over. Yeah. But I don't think you want to have so few that all you have is like two NPCs that you go to all the time. Yeah. I, I, I don't know a better way to say that other than um, there's definitely a feel like how many times do you want this character to reoccur? Right. Like, do you want them like in every session? Then, yeah, you got to kind of push them somewhere where they're going to be a little more central. Do you want them to just be around um, in a particular place that the players are going to cross frequently? Um, that's different. Go make another NPC somewhere else yeah. Um, yeah. kind of thing. Um, it, I, I do really think it's a feel thing. And I think also, you know, like there's a temptation, like when the players love a uh, an NPC, like the GM then loves to play that NPC because, you know, you get good feels from yep. playing a character everybody likes. So your first inclination is like, I just got to keep playing this character. And, you know, you're, you know, which is somewhat okay, but you might, you know, have room to put some other characters that they'll also like. I think I, I think the I think the best time to bring in a new character NPC is when it's obvious the players aren't having fun with an old one. Mm-hmm. That's a great indicator. That's it's true, time to yeah. bring in a new NPC when the players have, have gotten tired of the old one. Uh, keep an eye on that, and you'll find that a little bit. So cool. All right. Any other questions? Uh, I think we hit it. So All right. let's jump back into stuff. the second half, where we return to our topic of reoccurring characters with the roundtable discussion, starting with question number one, Phil. What is your favorite reoccurring character in a game that you have run or played? And I, I'm just going to say, it doesn't have to be your favorite favorite. It could be like one of your favorites. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start with Ukla. Um, this started, this is not Ukla the Muck, though. The name came from that. Um, those of you who remember the, the, the uh, 70s and 80s, if you ever got WPIX or lived in the New York City area, there was a person there named Crazy Eddie, whose prices were insane. And Not politically time, correct anymore, but yes, yes. I also remember Crazy yep. Eddie and his. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was this cheap electronic those story. Ads right? were horrible, but 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 yeah, horrible. His, his ads, his ads, those, his ads were horrible, but they were everywhere. And I needed an NPC one time, and uh, I was using Steve Jackson's cardboard heroes, and there is a pink lizard man in there, 
And so um, I, I had a pink lizard man named Ukla, and who acted very similar to that TV character, Eddie. And Ukla had a had a big hat, and he had a big tent, and he was always selling discount items. Uh, if your party needed a bucket, they could get a bucket there. They might find a plus one magic sword with a weird curse on it. They might find a wand. He had, he always had a whole bin of um, wands he hadn't tested yet that may or may not have charges, and he had no idea what they did. Um, and it was a good place for the players to just kind of. It was first of all, it was a good place for me as a GM to get things into the hands of, of, of characters because I could have okay, they really wanted to have this ability. I can give them a wand that's got four charges on it and can't be recharged. Here, play with this till it's done. Um, and then he kept showing up again in that game whenever they went to a town. His his caravan was always moving around. He always had a different hat on. Um, I ran a different fantasy campaign, and I just mentioned him once. The players immediately went there to that to, to go see him to the point where they liked him in multiple campaigns. Um, the last year of college that I was running this, one of the players created a lizard band in a different campaign, and his character grew up working for Uncle Ukla, and so nice. had a whole bunch of had also had all the villains that Ukla would have that didn't like him for. Uh, stuff. He was a, 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 a quest generator, basically just a character. I enjoyed playing him because he was completely he was he was completely chaotic good. Um, so he was off the wall and always had some ulterior motive for everything he was doing. He was a good place for the players to to, to sell whatever they had. Yep. They were never going to make a lot of money at it, but he could buy it. Um, and there were they were bumping into people in his shop that would give them clues and it was just it was a good recurring character. I had fun playing him. Um, the players uh, in my college group seemed to really like him a lot, and it was also a really good way to give um, some credence to a character multiple campaigns. But I never forced them into him. They never like okay you have to go to Ukla's shop. It was always you see a bunch of things and you see a tent with a picture of a lizard man wearing a Hawaiian T-shirt. That's all they would say. And if they went there, then they knew what they were getting into. If yep. they avoided it, which they never did, luckily, um, I didn't have to bring him in there. So I never tried to force it on the players. He was just there if they wanted him. Yeah. But they saw they, they enjoyed interaction. We, we had some campaigns where they spent two hours role-playing with the tent of Ukla and what they were finding. And sometimes it was the old-school shopping spree problem. But oftentimes just who else was in Ukla's shop and what was he involved with and how come the dragon isn't nice to us, that kind of thing. Um, that was Ukla. Now so, I um, want to have a a bin of of undetermined indeterminate wands, and the proprietor of the shop picks one up and shakes it. Every time he shakes one, it sounds like a mostly empty paint can. Yeah. Uh, we, um, we, had a wand, we, we actually we had a wand of color change. Anything you touch with the wand turns to another random color. They said no control over it, but it was good for disguising stuff, and it worked on anything, including skin. So nice. anyway, go ahead, Bob. So my one of my favorite reoccurring characters that we ever had was the nemesis to my hacker in Phil's Conspiracy X campaign, Data Spike. My oh. character hated that guy with the fiery passion of a thousand burning suns, but I loved having him around. <laughs> he had a um, he he had well because they were both hackers. He yeah. could always send messages to uh -huh. you. Right. And like there was always this cat and mouse game of like he had seen you here or heard about this. Yep. We just missed each other. Um, he had screwed you over a few times. Yep. 
it was like yeah oh. and the thing was the thing was about data spike was that data spike was you was basically your character yep. working for the bad guys yep like he really wasn't he really wasn't very different than your character and in other no, and under other circumstances yeah it could have been me you well you could have just been friends yeah like if if you had both been an aegis you would have been friends yep um but yeah i know you hated him with a passion of fiery sons and right up till you murdered him in the <laughs> grocery store parking lot when you and, finally you know, if found I him kiss you know i i kissed the front of his head with a couple of bullets but <laughs> yeah you did you had to you had to go into hiding for a little while yes it did change my name yeah it was uh... change your name got some plastic surgery uh-huh. yep yep <laughs> yeah what about you phil um my one of my favorites um was the music store owner which was bob's anchor yeah, character silas. from tales from the loop what was his, what's silas. his name yeah silas, silas. Yeah. Uh, he was great. I, I absolutely just I, I just loved playing this character. He was this um, he was this like 70s like metal god who like kind of got out of um, got out of the life and w- like opened up a um, opened up a music store where like he sold instruments to like, you know, kids who went to school. Also, he had like some rock gear in the back. But what I loved about him was that and this was true for all of the adults in our tales from the loop game is that no matter what the kids tried to tell the adults the adults always misunderstood it for something else yep and so silas had like all sorts of weird advice um and and stuff for bob's character because silas was like totally out there um i'm trying to remember there was a really awkward conversation oh i think it's when you were um you had decided to take leah to the um to the dance and you were like you were like in seventh or eighth grade your character right and silas decides that this is the time to talk about the birds and the bees and it's just this no (laughs) like bob's character is like whoa dude silas is like look what a man loves a woman (laughs) he's like do you need any condoms he's like what it was like Silas was just really Silas like always misunderstood what was going on. Yep. His um his transformation in Things from the Flood uh actually made Silas a much darker character. Um and I think he's the one who gives Bob his first hit of ecstasy. Um yeah. like, <laughs> like it was but I liked I liked Silas a lot because like at the end of a mystery, Bob would always show up to his, because you, you always show up to your anchor character to get your conditions cleared. And uh, I always knew I was going to have a good time, like yep. when Bob showed up to to see Silas, because Silas would never, Silas would totally misunderstand everything that was going on. Yep. Bob would tell him all sorts of stuff, and Silas would completely not get any of it. Like, oh, like you're talking in metaphors. Yeah, I get it. Like, no, I was being Yeah, like sometimes yeah. you're up on stage and you're doing this thing, man, and... <laughs> Bob's like, yeah, that that's it, Silas. Sure, like, Silas, that's, that's exactly. Right. But he would have like these nuggets of wisdom, mm-hmm. but like they just come out of left field, yeah. like just completely bonkers. Good times. All right, what's our what's our second question? Our second question is: When is the recurring character a bit obnoxious or annoying? Yes, we have some good ones on this list. <laughs> I forget what the what the game actually called this one. I believe it was the argumentative orc or oh god something along those lines in our Forbidden Lands game. There's a random encounter 
that happened twice, so therefore recurring character. Absolutely. And this orc would just be wandering through the woods and just pull out a soapbox, stand on it, and just rail on shit and just pick a fight. Like he wanted someone to to throw down with. And eventually I was like... (laughs) The description's hilarious, right? So the description is like this 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 orc goes around insulting people because he thinks that when you get angry and kind of lose your temper you are the most true person that's what it was so, the insulting orc so he's right so he's just like as you come upon him he's just like making fun of you he like peed at you i think at one point yeah it got to the point where it was like okay we're done with this guy and then he shows up again like months later in another session and starts just railing on my friggin' character again. And I'm like, nope, I'm done. Whack. <laughs> and just and, and killed him like in one shot. Oh, yeah. And it was a brutal <laughs> one, too. I, I, I had like 12 dice whenever I friggin' rolled. And I had successes all over the place. I just cut him down. He died happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he died happy. He was like, oh, he's like, you did it. Like, yep. like he was so <laughs> proud of you. Like, you. It's a, I did not make that character up. It was in the it book in the and book, it was just yeah. the, like, I read it and I was like, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> like, 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 all right. Yep. I, I don't know. I, I like, all right, we're doing this. I'm making, I'm going to just make this character and start insulting them all. Yep. I did not see another way out for him. Yep. Honestly, I did not see like, no, I did not see how he was going to ever survive more than a few more encounters. Yeah. It's good. All right. You've got a good um, one. Though. I disliked, um, and and this is um, part Watsy's fault, and then I think somehow part also Bob's fault. I'm sure I helped. Um, from the fourth edition adventure Pyramid of Shadows, um, the the disembodied head Varellis, yep. which the players are saddled with through the entire adventure. Um, at some point, I got so annoyed, I just put Varellis's head in a sack and carried it around because I didn't want to talk to it anymore. Um it was obnoxious. I don't even remember exactly what made it so obnoxious, but Shit after talking. like, two, yeah, like two or three rooms in. And I was like, who's got a sack. Who's got a sack. I put it her in me. the bag and she's still talking to the bag. I know she was like in a sack in my backpack talking, like talking the whole time. And when we got to the end of the adventure and we killed the main bad guy who it was Varelis's former lover, I like took her head and like rolled it down the stairs or something. I was like, well, we're no longer in need of your services, Varelis. <laughs> oh God, I hated uh I all I remember that's all I remember about that adventure. Yep. I remember the other adventures super clear and like really enjoyed them, but Pyramid of Shadows I hated because of that stupid ass and it was honestly not a very well written adventure. Oh, um, and and that head was just like the the icing the the bitter icing on the on the bitter oh, cake. <laughs> so and and I I mean to Bob's credit, there was nothing I liked about this character. I think if it was made to be annoying, he you like you achieved it because <laughs> man, I hated that head. And the only reason I didn't get rid of it or kill it sooner was because I wasn't a hundred percent sure we wouldn't need it yep. for the final encounter. I was like, I just can't bank on that. This thing isn't the key. Yep. To beating this guy at the end. <laughs> so, Varelis, you're coming with us. But after we killed the guy, I was like, well, clearly we didn't need Varelis. Yep, don't need Punt. you anymore. <laughs> yeah, we don't need her now. How about you, Jer? Well, for me, um, it was in a campaign. There was uh, uh, actually 
was the same campaign with Jack Sparrow and Cree, actually, but this was the very beginning of the adventure before those characters came in. Um, we were on a quest to save a town and we needed some magical mushrooms that were in a cave and mm. not those kind of magical mushrooms. Um, and it's, the GM, it's, it's always those magical mushrooms uh, to save the human town. And the GM introduced um, a female elf sorceress bionic named Garowin who came in and she was an elf princess and she was beautiful, radiant metal. And he just assumed the players were going to just like fall in love with her and everything. And about half the party did because they were male players. She was a big-breasted elf who hung around in scanty outfits, and she had a big bodyguard. And the thing is, number one, she hated humans. I wasn't human. I was also elven. But she hated humans, so she didn't want to save the town. She had the mushrooms that wouldn't share any with us. And the GM kept having her mentally spy on our conversations. So we would talk about something over here, and then we'd go to, and she would react to that automatically. Um, and then she disappeared for a while and came back a couple adventures later. We were still in those caves and we caught her again. And she just kind of kept forcing herself into the party and would use our resources and all that um, to the point where I drew down on her. <laughs> and um, the GM had her go away and she came back a third time. And the third time she came back, I informed the GM that I was going to kill her if she showed up again. And um, because she just kept she literally would get into our minds and like we'd be in a conversation and she'd be like trying to change our personality. Like, Oh, make a, make a save to see if you actually say that kind of thing. And it was, and we found nope. out that she was like in there because she didn't consider anybody uh, like, and she was supposed to be oh. an ally of ours. Boy. The GM, the GM just thought, Oh, cute, sexy elf thing. The player's going to go along with this to the point where after that, I decided that my character's goal was to hunt her down and kill her at some point. One day I will retire from adventuring and then I will find her and murder her. Oh no, no. We were gonna kill her first, then retire from adventuring. Oh, there you go. It's, um, it's nice, it's nice to have goals. No, that that was my written goal for the character. And so, like two years later, when we were still in this campaign, um, we found out that she had died off screen because we were getting to the point where because <laughs> because I was the only player for the original campaign, that was now where I was steering the adventure, was hunting her down. So he had her die off screen. Um, then he had her sister show up who was not obnoxious. And there was a whole bizarre, there's a whole little story involving her sister that goes, that goes, but like to the point where, um, by far the most annoying recurring NPC ever, like she'd be in the game. And I'm just like, we, we can't trust anything. We can't. And the GM just assumed that everybody's going to go along with cute, sexy elf girl, because that's what he was thinking. And unfortunately it's about half our party was thinking was, Oh, cute sexy elf girl we have to do whatever she says it's um, terrible yeah this was an online game so it was not my normal group of players it was when i was between game groups for a long time um and but yeah that, that was garrowin and uh and i never did and I, i'm actually upset because i did not get a chance to kill her um yeah, because she was she was she was my arch enemy in the game at this point um so but that was the game that was, that was her character um so that that, that, that was the most re- obnoxious recurring character we had all right so go ahead all right, well, that would bring us to question number three, then. Who is a character that you encountered as a GM or a player that you wish would have become a reoccurring character? Yeah, I had to kind of scramble to think of one. Um, but uh, the um, I have in uh, Dangerous Space Jail, I have these two uh, lovers, these two chaos lovers, Shia and Krolin. Um, and I, I like I totally love them. And 
Um, Matt's in here, right? I think Matt yeah. actually drew the artwork for Shia and Crowland. If, sure. if I'm looking at these illustrations, I'm pretty sure these are Matt it. Morrow, Matt Morrow illustrations. I'll just check the credits. Um, but yeah, the, uh, yeah, it was Matt. Um, but I, I, but I, I totally loved them. Um, and they were lovers and they were, um, they were not like, they were not human looking. Like neither one of them was, um, uh, neither one of them had genders to begin with. Um, neither one of them were humanoid in like they were humanoid. Neither one of them were human in any respect, but they were, um, they were basically like outlaw rebels against, uh, law. And they had like destroyed like a whole chunk of the universe before they were captured and put into the, into dangerous space jail. Um, and they're the bad guys for the story. So you stop them, right? Like in, in, in the game, you, you kill them. Um, yeah. before they get you either kill them or imprison them before they get out so there's no like what else about shia and crow and like yeah. they're just they're just not there like they just yeah. so i really dug them and i would actually um i would actually not mind doing something else with them and like you know like having them be around before they went to, like into prison kind of thing holy um, shit they are badass looking <laughs> oh are you looking at the illustration yeah yeah shia- Guy is like a super armored, horned, chaos two-armed naga, and Crowlin is like some sort of insect chitin warforged with a with a crystal hand blade. Yeah. Good God, I love these guys. All right, you yeah. could uh, Sorry, you ever go like... back and do the the life and eventual fall of of Crowlin and Shia. Yeah, they were just like I always pictured them like they were kind of like the Bonnie and Clyde yeah. of chaos. Like they just like, you know, they just like tore through the universe, destroying like beacons of law and like, you know, beacons <clears throat> of order until they're finally like rounded up and imprisoned. Nice. So that, that nice. that's a character I would like. Those are characters I'd like to see come back again. How about you, Jer? All right. There was uh, years ago, we first started playing GURPS back in the 80s. Um, we were a bunch of, of wandering ne'er-do-wells and we ended up going to a city that the GM intended us to go into, have an adventure and leave. And we ended up staying in that city for like six months of real time and God knows how many weeks of game time. Um, and in that process, one of the characters we encountered was a sorceress named Stardew. And the GM just kind of introduced her briefly and um, we just loved her character. She was interesting she was strong-willed but she was friendly um a little quirky and chaotic you could never quite tell what she was up to we liked her a lot and we were with her for as a contact like three times in the same short adventure arc and then the gm just never brought her back um i was i was still a bumbling teenager so i was also like oh this could be an interesting romantic interest for my character even though i had no idea what to do with it and neither did the gm for that matter um but she was a very interesting character with uh because of the questions we asked i don't think the gm had anything planned for her except just oh she's an elven sorceress she's gonna help us we kept asking questions of her because the players liked her character and she had a detailed backstory and she wasn't a victim which was a typical of of female characters in those games um she had i think i think he based her partially on lita from elf quest so she had a bit of a of a of a of a nurturing nature as well it was a very interesting character, and we never saw her show up again. We played that GURPS game for a long, long time. Um, we eventually left the city after accidentally setting it on fire and um, uh, and, and then moved on to that, – that's another story, Charlie. But, Rumor uh, is that Stardew moved off and, like, settled in a valley, started a farm, that yeah. kind of thing. 
but um, yeah, we 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 left that city, and the next and the next day after a, a, an encounter involving some fire, <laughs> the next day we got up to find that like two thirds of the city was aflame, and uh, <laughs> and and, and uh, unfortunately the while the city employed a wizard whose job it was to put out fires in the city, that was me, and I'd left the city, so it was bad. Um, <laughs> So, 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 so maybe there's another reason why Starry didn't show up. No, she never even showed up for the six months we were in the city, even though we looked for her. It just never happened. So, but we weren't smart enough to tell the GM that's what we wanted because we were yeah. all like 13, 14 at the time. So, so that was the character. But I, I liked the character, and and, and uh, it would be fun to bring her character back and other things. So, Bob, this is a character you always wanted to have show up again. So, in Chris's Airy Peaks game, there was this this guy that was and, and I forget the number it was like the seventh greatest swordsman the seventh in the world and uh and unfortunately um he <laughs> had a disagreement with core and core was yes. like nope <laughs> this guy's going down and so they fought to the death um but I always thought that you know that would be that kind of personality would be fun to have pop up every once in a while coming out of the peaks to hang out at the tavern where everybody hung out and spent their money before <laughs> going back into the peaks to make more money so that they could come back and drink more and carouse like that whole cycle of of how the airy peaks worked and i thought it'd be great to have this person you know you run into him in the bar or on the on the on the party barge where the gambling was or whatever like you know like, oh, there's the seventh greatest swordsman over there talking about his exploits again, you know, being all boisterous and bragging and all that. Uh, unfortunately, it was not meant to be. And uh, he was. I there. don't know if you remember the whole story about that guy, but he was waiting for his true love. Yes. Who had got transformed into a spider. Yes. Into a spider woman. And she was way up above him in, in this um, in yes. this dungeon, like up some we had to climb up this thing. And, and we had to kill the disagree. Her. The disagreement was we were there to kill her because yeah. we needed something to save the world. Yes. And he was like, I can't allow that. And I'm like, you can try. <laughs> um, he technically killed uh, Corin. I made my um, I made my save or not save. I made my um, Black Gates roll. Oh, you didn't have to kill her. Well, <laughs> We didn't you know say that, that, at that the now. Time. <laughs> you say that now, Chris. I don't know. I didn't see that as an option. But I also, when um, after he was gone, when we fought her, I told her that he wasn't there at the bottom of the thing waiting for her, yep. just so that I could um, enjoy her um, sorrow. Yeah. Because, you know, I was, yeah. you know, an acolyte of, of the priest of the god of hoarfrost and woe yep. yes i um corin bad person <laughs> corin was not bad but corin was not nice he was not good he was not good he was he was loyal yep um and you know had a hilarious misunderstanding of how uh halflings worked yep um but yes yeah. i don't know if he wait, was wait wait now you have to explain that <laughs> so in the airy peaks Corin had only encountered a, ha a handful of halflings, and Two, they were always warriors. Okay. So, um, so I, so Corin just assumed that all halflings were great warriors. Yep. Oh, so we one okay. day left the airy peaks, and we encountered 
a caravan of halfling merchants. And Corin, who is, you know, like barbarian of barbarian, like strolls up to them and is like, brothers, <laughs> well we met. shall ride to the battle. We shall, you know, we shall, we shall cover the field in the blood of our enemies. And he's like hugging each one of them. And they're literally like looking at him like, oh my God, who is this guy? Like, what does he want? And will he stop talking to us? Yeah. It was you said doesn't understand how halflings work. I thought like, like you have to, like you didn't realize you have to like feed them and clothe them. You don't just, you know. No, they were the fiercest warriors he yeah. ever saw. Like every halfling he ever encountered was like, you know, like. That's he, great. Like they were all fierce warriors. And when the first time he encountered like, you know, the actual hobbit halflings, he was completely like, what is wrong with these people? Like. <laughs> Where is their thirst for blood? You look like, a little <laughs> round for a mighty warrior. <laughs> well, he'd have was, a good time at Eberron then. <laughs> it was very awkward. Yeah. They were the halflings were confused. I was confused. Yep. It was great. Like it was a very that's awkward. Good role, that's good role playing. There. It was that's delight. It was there. delightfully awkward all around. All right, Jerry, why don't you take us out? Well, that was our take on reoccurring characters. Yep, so. we hope we hope that when you build new NPCs for your game, that you will find some of this advice helpful. And we're going to check in with the chat room one more time before we head off to the conversation corner. Um, and I don't know if there was... Let me scroll back real quick just to see if there was anything else. Um, okay. No new questions. Although... I will, I will state for the for the record that you can have good role-playing games in GURPS. Just, <laughs> that, to, just that today today it's, it's a dated system. But then again, I think GURPS predates the person who asked the question by a couple of years. So <laughs> everybody has differing opinions on GURPS. It's what happens. <laughs> These things happen. These All things right. do happen. Let's do the thing where we roll on over to the conversation corner. Oh, man. You know, what we didn't get a chance to do. We didn't have any, uh, any, any discussions of possible new topics for me to pin later. Oh, um, because I was prepared for that. You were prepared for it, and yet we didn't come up with anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I am. Um, oh, you know what? I, I don't know if it's going to be a full topic or not, but why don't you just throw it on the list? I, I can't remember. I think we were talking about this on pre-show. Um, the idea of committing to a character versus being invested in a character. Yes. yes I'm not sure know. if it's a whole episode yet, but like I, it, it's... I got the, I got a crisp, I got the, like the beginnings of an, like how Just sand gets nugget. stuck in a, yeah. uh, in an oyster to make a pearl. Yep. Like this is the bit of sand. This is the grit of sand in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pin that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I see. That's why you wanted it. So you could play with the sound effects from it. From I got the a ding down. now. Woo. Yay. <laughs> we are easily amused here on the show. You know what? Everybody's so happy about the dings. No idea what oh, that no. was. That was that applause. was audience. <laughs> oh boy! Sorry they they updated the uh, software for the uh, for the stream deck and now there's a whole store where you can download uh, royalty free stuff. So I filled up a couple of slots on the uh, on the thing. Okay, so conversation corner. Times. Yes, this is where we do the thing where we talk about stuff. Yep, yep. So Phil hit on this earlier. Uh, packing is exhausting. Yeah, it is. And like, and Phil got to the part where he actually like moved some stuff. Like he had packed it and then he put it in the car, took it over to someplace else. Like yes. I haven't even gotten to that part yet. I'm just packing some stuff 
And I'm like, ugh, I filled up like five boxes full of books and I'm like, eh, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) I need a nap. (laughs) 21 days in, man. 21 days in. So that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be a joy when I have to, I have to put on the full court I'm, press to finish. I'm telling it. you, movers, man. I mean, well, you got to pack it yourself. Yeah, if you the packing movers, the packing is the hardest part. I, the uh, I think the other part about packing that's some, somewhat exhausting is the sorting. Like, is this shit I need? Oh, yeah. is let me this tell shit you, I want the purge is real. Oh yeah, like I had a bunch of stuff that like there's two categories of stuff: the quasi nostalgia stuff. And then mm-hmm. the old tech that I put in a box because I might need it someday. Yes. I threw out, I still have some stuff that I have to take to the recycling event, but I have like old, um, like a four disc DVD changer for a computer. Like nobody needs that anymore. I have nobody two old that. removable hard drive bays where you, you know, you lock it with the key or you unlock it. You oh yeah. 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 Swappables. Yeah. Um, I just tons of tech, old cables and and although the one thing I did save, I have an assortment of old CPUs of varying like the that that go from the little bitty squares to eventually the big long ones to I want to make myself make a like thing? a like a shadow box. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. That's of, cool. Of old CPUs. Um but the other thing, like I said, the the quasi nostalgia thing, I had like old I had two old newspapers. Like, we used to have a newspaper here in Buffalo called the Courier Express, which was the morning yep. paper, and then the Buffalo Evening News was the was the evening paper. When the Courier yeah. Express decided that they had to close down and they printed their last paper, I grabbed a copy, everything, ads and everything, just grabbed it, stuck it in a plastic bag, and put it off to the side. And I grabbed the first copy of the Sunrise Edition of the Buffalo News, and I put that as a, like, maybe worth something someday, or whatever weird thought went through my head at the time. And I pulled those out and looked at them and went, oh, interesting reading Hagar the Horrible from 1982. But um, nope, how, right into the recycling bin. How is Kathy doing? Uh, Kathy I didn't bother reading Kathy, but Kathy was in there. I believe, um, Kathy, so yeah. said, uh, I believe Kathy said Og, and then she got her hair all frizzy. I yeah, that's, what happened yeah, that's exactly what happened. So, yeah, those went go. right into recycling. So, But, uh, yeah, so the, the, the packing stuff is just a thing. The uh, the big one for me was when I sorted through all my RPG stuff and I, I made three piles and I was like, okay, there is a pile of stuff that I want out on a bookcase where I can um, see them, where I can find them if I want to play them or, you know, just show them off, whatever. Then there's a pile of like, okay, I want these with me because I may want to look at them for research purposes. Or, um, I like someday when I get future bookcases, I would like to put these in future bookcases Yep. and you know, like I would like these accessible. So I put those in clear plastic totes, like, so I could see them. And then I had a remarkable amount of books where I was like, eh, like, yeah. I don't give a shit about these books. Like I kept everything that I've had a good campaign from, right? Like I was like, oh, like, you know, oh, I, you know, I played, you know, Tales from the Loop clearly that's going up on a shelf as like i don't know if i'll ever run it again but it's my um it's my souvenir yeah from my kick-ass campaign yep. but then like i like ran into so many books later that i was like eh, i don't even know like i like i bought all these books we never played a game from it yep. like i raided ebay and bought like all these innominate books yeah um and then I mean, we like really never played like innominate so i was like yeah. eh, i don't need these anymore yep. that's a tough game to play i've, I've played it it's uh <clears throat> 
It, 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 it wasn't rubber, tough to play, to play angels. It was tough to play the demons. Demons were worse. Angels would have been easier. Yeah. Yeah, but the demons were Demon. the fun ones. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but they're like also angry. like they run out of like there's only like so much bad you can be. Well, that before uh, it gets boring. Uh, before we well, get that, completely well, yeah, off track on yeah. that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that, 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 there's a whole thing to talk about there. Yeah. But go ahead. <laughs> so uh, I, I have been super impressed with Voyager season five and the season six episodes so far. Um, mm-hmm. There was, um, oh my god, it was the Doctor episode, um, and now I can't think of the. Uh, Doc, is that uh, the Tinker Folder Soldier Doctor Spy? You know that probably was the one. Um, where is he, the one where he's daydreaming? The one where he was daydreaming and the potato yeah. people were watching him. Yes, I like to call yeah. them the potato people. Yeah, um, I like them. There was another episode that just punched me right in the feels right at the end. It was just just like ah, oh, like man, so good. The writing on him was so good. So looking forward to more of that. And tonight should be just a ball. You um, know, I um, I I you know, I say this every time we talk about Voyager that I never gave it a fair shot, yep. a fair shake in the nineties. And I'm so glad I went back and rewatched it all Definitely. because I'm just like, ah, oh, show's great. Yep. I mean, like this show's fantastic, and I'm really excited because um they are currently doing the primary shooting for the Voyager documentary. That should be good. Like they did for the, um, like they did for the DS nine one and the DS nine one is so good. Yep. That turned out great. Yeah. So looking super looking forward to watching Loki tomorrow. Um, the bad batch of course is, is, is just running, hitting on all cylinders and then, uh, stepped itself up this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there was an interesting movie um, Saturday night. Jerry came over and we, we picked the movie based on the single image and the description in, uh, in Netflix. And when I looked at it and read the description, I thought it was like a, a, like an older, not present day martial arts kind of story. And it turned out it was modern day Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, so what it turned out to be was a a um, a Vietnam version of Taken, mm-hmm. where this woman's daughter gets kidnapped, and then she goes on her her little spree to try and get the daughter back, and ends up fighting a bunch of people. And it was actually pretty good. Um, there were a couple parts where it it felt a little slow, and there was just one weird thing at the end that just makes me scratch my head like I don't get it after everything that we saw for the hour 45 almost two hours or whatever it was of this decent you know action flick with a lot of good martial arts scenes a kick-ass a kick-ass female lead like all of that and at the very very end of the movie she looks directly into the camera and says something. I forget what she said, but it's just like jarring. Yeah. She looks directly into the camera and she says something. And it's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, yeah, it was I, just I, and I, broke, I, it I, broke the fourth wall. Yeah. Uh, sort of. Yeah. Sort yeah. of. It was very yeah, strange. It was, it was weird. But otherwise, it, decent movie. It's called Fury. F-U-R-I-E. And it's on Netflix right now. Hmm. Um, some really good action in that movie. Um, but yeah. Um, it's... Uh, uh, it's going to be the next month and a half, hopefully less than two months, depending on how things go with the inspection tomorrow, um, are going to be interesting trying to maintain working on work stuff during the day. And uh, I kind of got called out by my boss today for saying I needed to cut out early tomorrow for the inspection. 
She's like, you know, we have, you know, people expecting a certain amount of progress on this thing. And you keep asking, you know, telling me that you're going to be taking some time to do this and that. And that's like, I'm making up all that time. Like every time I say I've got to do a thing or I have to leave early or whatever, like I've been clocking in early. I've been making sure that I, that I cover extended amounts of time to, to, to make up for any time that I'm missing. But, um, she kind of was like, you know, eh. and I'm like, look, I can't always get all of my appointments to go outside of normal business hours. It's not how things work. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. So Jerry, what about you? Oh, well, like I said, hiring you has been interesting. Um, I'm glad we found somebody that looks like they're going to work out for our office. Um, it'd be very useful. I like having new employees on. They had a new, they had, they had new life and kind of interest to the, to the, to the job. Um, and like I said, traveling a lot, even though we, uh, didn't have anybody show people that signed up for the interviews this never showed up for them. Um, this is for a, 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 a salary job. So, uh, we'll see what happens with it. That was a little, little frustrating, but we move on. That's going to mean that for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to, there are going to be days that I'm going to be suddenly at the last minute out of town for a little while. Um, I can schedule around Tuesdays, but other days might be the odd day here and there as I cover either cover territory or have to do that. So it means that my schedule for the next month or so is going to be a little bit uh, chaotic. Um, Aside from that, though, season five Rick and Morty dropped this week, and they had a very strong start. Um, that just uh, once again kind of raising the stakes and setting some fun stuff with the, with the show. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Just say that it's it's if you like Rick and Morty, this is another really good one um, with some fairly interesting repercussions after episode one for several characters in the show. Um, Loki has been a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed. Uh, I, I've been enjoying it so far. It's it's. I'm waiting for that episode four where all of a sudden stuff kicks in, but even this last episode added some interesting twists to it. Um, I'm enjoying the show a lot. Uh, the aesthetic is very unusual, and I like that that uh, the Time Variance Authority, their kind of 50s, 60s era technology is just amazing. Um, Bad Batch, uh, again, a great episode this past week. Um, brought back a, a another character from another series, and also stepped up the stakes in a big, big way. Yep. Um, that made things very happy. Uh, Voyager is just completely enjoyable. I had a great time watching Voyager this week. Um, looking forward to tonight's show. Um, I'll, I'll jump one and say that uh, movie night at the Casa de Bob was a good success. It's the second time we've done this. And I thought Fury was a lot of fun. I agree that I didn't find the end scene as jarring, but it was definitely out of place. Uh, but I liked, I liked the movie. I, I agree with Bob. There was a, there's a just one stretch in the middle where all of a sudden it just slows down and there seems to be a little bit of uh unnecessary plot padding that didn't need to be there. And it wasn't that it was bad, it was just noticeable because the rest of the movie was so well paced. It wasn't bad, it was just all of a sudden yeah. the pacing of the movie changed for a short time. And it wasn't even a beat structure change, it was just a pacing change and it was noticeable. Yep. And aside from that, I would say it's a lot of fun if you don't mind some the movies. Uh I liked a lot of it just to see um, the modern day culture of Vietnam. You see the difference between uh, the city of Saigon and the small village that she lived in yeah. and the way people live their day-to-day lives and the social structure of the debt collectors and the mercenaries and everything. Just There was a lot of... Uh, it was a fun movie to watch. It was a fun movie to enjoy. And as a GM, there was a lot of like, oh, I'm going to use that. stuff in there. <laughs> um, and lastly, this week, uh, we got on with Chris and played Valheim and went up against boss number four out of five so far. Um, and 
did surprisingly well with it and then geared ourselves up to go into um, the last couple of biomes. And so Bob and I have been doing a lot of fun exploring when we can get on at night. And uh, it's been tense again, which is a lot of fun in this game. Every time you go into a new biome, um, you're in another level of danger that yep. we're actually better capable to deal with, but it's been a lot of fun. So it, it makes the game more entertaining. And uh, I'll have to tell you, Bob, I've done some more exploring since last time you were on. Um, so, but it's just been fun. It's been a nice little thing. So that was my week. Bill? I mean, you know, I've been pretty busy, like I talked about at the top of the show. Um, I did um, take some time and go get a new phone. Um, so I got rid of my old uh, busted Samsung um, and got myself a um, iPhone SE, which uh, my work iPhone is an iPhone 10X Max. So the SE is positively tiny compared <laughs> to the 10X Max. Um, but there, I just, I absolutely love, you can, you can, you know, if you're Tony, you'll make fun of it to no end. But there's a, there's a really nice thing about being in the Apple ecosystem for things like when it was time to set up my new phone, I did the thing you do with every Apple device, which is you just show it one of your other Apple devices and then it goes and gets all of your settings for you. So like, I just, it's like, as soon as I logged into it, it was like, Oh, by the way, is your other iPhone nearby? And I was like, yes. And it's like, can you just show it the image on the screen? Like I hold one up to the other and it's like, cool. Just can you put them down for a few minutes so we can get all your settings for you? Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi passwords, all of that stuff. Right. Fantastic. I thought that, I mean, that's normally pretty cool, but then I found out like another level of that today. So I went over to the apartment and I was like, all right, I got to take a um, conference call at the apartment. So I brought over my work laptop because I was waiting for a mattress to be delivered. So I take my work laptop with me and about 10 minutes before the conference call starts, I'm like, oh, you know what? I better jump on the Wi-Fi login and stuff like that. So I click, I click the um, Wi-Fi. I find, you know, my Wi-Fi name, Quark's Bar. And, um, and my, my machine, my laptop automatically logs onto the network. And I'm like, no password. I'm like expecting to put the password in. I quick open a browser, throw it open, goes out to like Google. Like, like I, I think I open Facebook or something, jumps right in. And then I realize, oh, shit, it picked up the password off of one of my phones. Yep. Like my phones have been configured for that network for a while. And because my phones, my watch, my iPad and all my Macs are all on the same Apple ID account, it was just like, it like found the network and was like, oh no, bro, I already got I already got the password from yeah. the other guy. We got you. Like, we got you. You're in. And I was like, oh shit, man. Like, that's that's some fancy high-tech shit right there. Like, that's I mean, I'm sure Tony would be like terrified that like all my devices are um talking to each other like that. But it's great. Like, I love it. So I did that. And of course, all the fun for messing with the new phone, right? So like I did all the, you know, the fun new, like, you know, reconfiguring apps and like squaring away the home screen and shit like that. Uh, I've been watching, obviously, Voyager. I haven't had a lot of free time lately, though. Um, So I've been doing the Voyager thing. Um, Still watching Blacklist when I'm making breakfast and stuff. It's getting a little samesy, right? Like there's only so many people that can attack Raymond Reddington. (laughs) And it seems to be nonstop. Um but James Spader's fantastic, so yep. I'll just continue to watch it because watching James Spader's a lot of fun. Um, and I did play some mini golf this weekend. Um, the kids, we all went to play mini golf um, as a pre-Father's Day 
uh, event and uh, it was quite fun. It was quite fun. I hadn't played mini golf in a little while. Um, and it was nice to just, you know, it was an outside activity, so we didn't have to wear masks or anything. And, you know, there weren't, you know, people really bunched up with us. There were, you know, people behind us and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I like mini golf. I like mini golf a lot. Um, Adventure Landing is okay, mini golf. Um, there's some other cooler um, uh, places to play um, out in Depew and stuff like that. But it was cool. It was fun. And I got it on a Groupon. So, like, I got a four pack with nice. tokens and stuff. It was, like, pretty ridiculously cheap. So. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's me. All right. That will roll us on out the door here to the Patreon shoutouts, and then we can get into the after show. So thank you for being our patrons to Chris Mead, Craig Duffy, Dan Simons, David Walker, Drew Smith, the secret weapon of the show, Glenn Seiler, one of our table mates, great player, great GM, mm-hmm. Jason Pinella, Jason Pitt, Gene Lorbert and Jeff Stevens. And thank you all for listening tonight. If you are live, if you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. the Queen's time, come join us live on Twitch, where you can chat with other listeners in the awesome chat room for life and ask us the occasional question. And if you can't make it to the live show, check out our podcast each week, wherever you get your podcasts. And take a listen to some of the other shows in the Mr. Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bonestone Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Panas Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, John Boo Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and back episodes of She's Super Geek. You can and should also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Nights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming and BS. After you have introduced your awesome new character, and before you reintroduce them, Leave us some feedback. You can reach us directly via the old-fashioned emails, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Hit us up uh, on the Twitters. The show and the network is at misdirectedmark. He is Robert M. Everson. He is GM Jerry Mandarin. I am DNA Phil. If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Panis Talking Games are at patreon.com slash mmp. Zhangu Hustle is at patreon.com slash Hustle. And bonus experiences at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Misdirected Mark production. They meet the arm of encoded designs. Mic drop. Meow.